Welcome to CTO Confessions with TC Gill. Brought to you by IT Labs. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. This episode of CTO Confessions is brought to you by the one and only IT Labs, providing technology leaders with purpose-driven development teams for high-performance, innovation and productivity. What more could you want? Please think of us like tech leaders' favourite off-the-shelf service, providing quality, high-performing teams off that shelf. And your host today is me, TC Gill, IT Labs Chief Talking Officer, and I'm speaking from London, UK. So, Andrew, welcome to CTO Confessions. It's great to have you on board, sir. Great to be here, TC. Thanks. Brilliant. So tell the audience a little bit about yourself. Who are you? What do you do? And who do you work for? So my name is Andrew, uh, Andrew Phillips. I'm the CTO of Skyscanner, uh, online travel, search comparison, flights, hotels, car hire, you name it. We aim to find you the best, the best deals. I've been at Skyscanner about nearly 14 years now. Started right out of university, working on kind of our some of our pricing integrations with airlines, travel agencies, etc. And have kind of I would say meandered my way around the business over the years and taken on various different roles, both as an individual contributor and then and then into management. And then kind of uh, as the company has grown, grown alongside it, grown with it. I'm not sure the right term there, but uh, grown into the role that, that I now have running the engineering team. Wow, fantastic. And coming back to the company, you've got to describe the problem that it's solving in the market. I mean, is that an end-to-end solution? Is that everything from, you know, I want to go on holiday, help me figure it all out and map it all up yeah we start at the at the inspiration side of things so we're you know whether you go onto google and and search for flights to somewhere or whether you're just browsing for destinations we've got a a, what i think is a really cool feature where you can say um like say i'm based in edinburgh and you can say edinburgh to anywhere and we will show you the best months, the cheapest months, and where you could go. So it might say, oh, well, you know, cheap flights to Alicante or to Ibiza or something. So, so we're a bit of that inspiration side of things. And we'll take you on the narrowing down your search, seeing what you can get from a you know hotel, good deals, uh, car rental. We then link you out to to actually go and transact and, and to make the booking. So we're we're really doing the comparison side, but I think trying to add value by by showing people that you know there might actually be better options when you consider the kind of all up costs. By the time you add X Y Z things to one airline, you may get a similar similar thing, and and not always the case. So we try and help educate people in that space. Excellent. And from a tech perspective. What does a tech leader do in a company like that? What's going on behind the scenes? Quite a lot of, quite a lot of, I guess my my job, but I, I think mostly my my team's job is dealing with the scale that we have and trying to help other leaders and uh, and individuals to really build for that future state. I think particularly, uh, and as I'm sure COVID affected pretty much everyone. You know, we we had a real real drop with travel just you know stopping effectively but you know we're, we're already kind of back up uh back up quite significantly to, to kind of where we where we had been pre-covid and and the scale you get with that we've got lots of new features lots of new functionality so we're, we're, a lot of our time is spent trying to help set our teams up for success going forward uh, but we're doing it in a much more measured way and so i think that the main place we spend our time is we don't have as many people as we did pre-COVID. And 
that presents its own set of challenges. But we also don't we don't want to grow just exponentially our, our headcount and everything. We want to be quite a lean, close knit, you know, really value the in person connection side of things. And so, how to balance off the you can't just throw people at the problem. <laughs> you need the system that scales. You know, we do 100 million unique monthly visitors. We expect that to you know increase quite significantly over the next couple of years. So, how do you get that scale? but in a way that's sustainable with a relatively small team, you know, in, in comparison to, to kind of throwing people at the problem sounds, <laughs> sounds terrible, but it, you know, that, that has been an approach that lots of companies have had in the past. And I think we're very cognizant of not just doing that and, and really inventing our way and, and building things in a more sustainable way. So a lot of our time is spent in that kind of balancing act, trying to get the most out of people, but that is often also by getting ourselves out of people's way and, and not having too much decision by committee and not needing to be uh, not needing to be the point of escalation for everything and, and things like that, which I, I think, yeah, it's probably the opposite of your question, which is like, what, what do I not do? And I, I try and not do a lot of those things, which can slow us down. <laughs> That's fantastic. I've got a few questions that are kind of popped up from that. One of them is this a topic that we spoke around offline, which was around autonomy, mm. you know, guided or directed. Because, you know, and this is coming onto the topic of leadership, which I was going to shine a light on a second ago. And how do you roll as a leader? Tell us a bit more about that. How do you get this kind of idea of a scale delivery without not having more people? Yeah. So I think, I guess, on the autonomy balance in that is around providing people the right boundaries to be fully autonomous and you know when you put a boundary in you are taking someone's autonomy away to a degree that that's the kind of balancing act you're saying that the playground you get to play in is slightly smaller than maybe it was but you can do anything you want in this space and so we we set really clear really clear goals uh, really clear metrics that we want to move we have intentionally limited the number of ways in which you can achieve those achieve those things. So from a technical point of view, we've moved to one programming language per, not per task, but per kind of meta group of tasks. So we have, we use PySpark for all of our data processing, and that is where we are moving to. We've, we've maybe still got a few other tools in place at the moment, but we want to move to one. And, and by doing that, we, we do take some of the autonomy away. You can't go and write it in another language, but we can then invest more from an enablement point of view, from a productivity point of view, and that will help us help everyone go faster. It also helps with portability of people. And as I said, like I've kind of meandered a bit around my career at Skyscanner, but I have I value a lot the ability to learn different spaces, different systems, and everything. At, uh, you know, be it front end, be it app, be it you know just different areas of the business and. It's very hard for someone to move if they've got to relearn a new tech stack, a new programming language every time they move. So we get a bit of the scale by kind of going into a more kind of single tool for each of a limited set of jobs. But that, yeah, so that, that quite often, I think, kind of culturally jars with some people because a lot of people feel they want freedom to just do whatever they want. And actually, if you have total autonomy, you have chaos. <laughs> so it's, it's that real balancing yes. act of trying to do it in a way that people feel like they have a choice in in the right things but in, and in being empowered to make those choices but then equally providing the most support to you know we don't say you cannot use anything else we make it so that the tools that 
are our defaults, are our, our best choices, have so much support around them that it would kind of be silly not to. And that's the kind of balancing act of, of you know, directed or, or kind of guided autonomy. We're, we're not being really directional, or at least not to the, like, this is a hard rule, but we're trying to make that balance, balancing act for people. Fantastic. That's really great. And your leadership in that then you kind of mentioned something interesting. Secondly, it's not it's about not what you do do, but about what you don't do. And that's a lovely yeah. inverse kind of look at, at leadership. So as a leader, how, how do you roll in? How do you kind of create that culture, I guess, and that behavior? Yeah. When I first joined, I, I would have called myself anti-process. I actually had a job offer somewhere else and they were almost trying to sell me on how much great process they had. And I was like, that sounds terrible. And I kind of tried to echo that in a lot of what we do and, and have done in, in all of my kind of roles roles over the years. But what I now end up doing is putting in process. But I, I feel because I am, I guess, almost like allergic to it in the first place, I, I always try and do it in the most minimal way and in the way that, you know, I feel, but it has that value. And, and I guess simplifying that down it's like i talk a lot about checklists and there's a, a brilliant book called the checklist manifesto and people often feel like process could be a bad thing it often is is talked about in that way but what always fascinates me particularly about the book is that when you you know the first thing a pilot does when the when there's a crisis midair is they take out their checklist and they start reading it and you're like well that's quite interesting because pilots are incredibly trained skillful people and so trying to bring some of that into Skyscanner, into the tech side of things where people really can start to see the value in the process. Uh, that's just a balancing act mm -hmm. of not wanting to, not wanting to slow us down with too much, wanting to keep the autonomy alive, wanting to keep the culture going. And, and so I, I do that by, by trying to embody that, by when I see things that I don't agree with, calling them out. When I see things that are overly complicated or, or to me overly complex, trying to trying to, you know, change them, shape them, guide them. I'm lucky that I've got a brilliant engineering leadership team around me that I think have all kind of well, quite a lot of them have grown up in Skyscanner or in similar similar companies and have a similar ethos to the the way we approach things. So we don't always get it right. We have a design review process, which I think is far too complicated and complex, and it ends up being 20 pages of, of kind of documentation, which which is definitely not what we wanted. But, you know, but we're fixing that and we're, we're trying to make that better. So it's a continual process of learning and iterating and making improvements. That's really good. I love it. And as a tech leader, I can imagine running this show and this getting this balance right. There's a lot of things that play on your mind. What's the thing that keeps you up at night, Andrew? <laughs> Interesting question. I guess if you'd asked me this a few months ago, I'd have had a very different answer. I think at the moment, everything AI, LLMs, you know, we're in a space that I, I keep joking. We were, we were doing some of the AI stuff before it was cool. We, you know, we, a lot of our SEO content is generated through large language models and things. And, and that's, that's really exciting. Um, we've been doing that for quite a while. It's quite powerful. But it, it does keep me up at night because I was playing earlier on today with a, a WhatsApp-based travel booking thing. We, we actually happen to power it, but it's full like, you know, where do you want to go? I want to go here. Oh, okay. What days do you want to go in? And it's, that is interesting and definitely kind of what where the world will be in a few years' time. I wouldn't necessarily say it keeps me up at night, but it certainly 
gives me food for thought. And I always want to make sure we're positioning ourselves in the right place because I think there's a lot of hype around AI at the moment. And that's why I say, if you'd asked me that question a few months ago, I probably wouldn't have said that. There definitely feels like a lot of hype around it. And, you know, we, we've talked a lot internally about it. Do we spend a lot of time and people and, and everything on, on getting there and getting there first? And it's like, well, we, we could do, but actually there's going to be a lot of churn in that system for probably for many years. So yeah, I mean, that, that does does give me, you know, I guess food for food for thought. The, the other thing, and probably the answer I'd have given a couple of months ago is really around, I've spent a lot of my last couple of years really driving us to consolidate down to like one system for one task. And I, I mentioned previously of the like, from a language point of view, but equally true of like, we have a flight, a car hire and a hotels product. They are very, very different from a tech point of view you know they they look visually different they are supported by technically different platforms technically different front ends back ends etc and we have been working to consolidate that we had something like five different home pages across web and app based on whether you're on your mobile whether you're on desktop and stuff and, you know we got to a really kind of slightly bonkers place where we had just we'd grown so quickly and, and i think all for the right reasons but that keeps me up at night because there's a there's a really hard balancing act of we want to get to a point where we have one homepage, one search results page, but we also want to keep building product and we want to keep making the product better for our travelers and for our customers. And those are that is a tension because you can't do both things at once, especially not when you've got a relatively small team. And so I do constantly feel like, are we getting the balance right there? I speak to my, my product counterpart, and he was incredibly supportive of doing the right technical things, but we're constantly having that kind of, are we getting that right? Are we simplifying enough, fast enough, uh, equally still building enough from a product point of view and, and, and trying to satisfy the, the, the kind of demands of our users and, and, and our competition as well. So it, it's a that's the one that really probably gets to me the most just have we got that balance right and uh, again bringing in a topic that we spoke about offline which is around technical mm. debt that kind of touches a little mm. bit on yeah. that, doesn't it coming from a technical background myself being a software engineer once uh, you know i understand the the pitfalls of debt and how they can really cripple situations uh, and maintaining lots of different things as, as well you know when you've got duplicates and striking that balance you want to speak to that because you kind of mentioned this concept of uh, two slack channels as yes. well yeah so we we have we have my two favorite slack channels we probably have several thousand in a company in the company which is uh, in itself interesting but uh, um yeah my favorite slack channels are what we shipped and what we shed and if i was stack ranking them i'd say that what we shed one what we got rid of effectively is the more exciting one because that's the one where we are publicly praising the important work that's happening where we are removing legacy where we're removing tech debt where we are simplifying um what we shipped is equally awesome because it's all of the cool new features cost savings i mean uh, a team the other week managed to save us like you know half a million a year with some some interesting data kind of data storage savings that they've done you know, like so having those public displays of brilliant work on both sides of the equation i think has really helped to kind of level the balance uh, level the playing field when it comes to how we think about tech debt and, and simplification because it's not that i mean I, i'm saying i think actually the the tech debt one is more exciting because you know finally 
people are seeing the, the value we are placing on that simplification. And it's a hard balance, as I said, because you still want to get things, new features out of the door. You still want to improve the product for travelers. But having a, a place that really gives airtime to the often kind of happens off to the side, not as visible, people don't get as much kind of praise for it. Having a, a really kind of, yeah, prominent place for that feels, culturally feels really good in terms of encouraging people. But then you then you start to see people piling in and it, it more and more, it gets more popular almost by the day. And, and that feels like we're, we've really got that message landed and that people are taking it seriously. And so that, you know, we talk about it a lot, but that's one of the biggest things from a cultural point of view that I know Slack channel isn't really a cultural thing, but just bringing enough attention to the, the great work that happens there has felt like a, a big, big win for us in, in the kind of battle against tech debt, so to speak. I love it. I, I think it's a great idea. I love the idea. I'm a big fan of, I, I'm going to get shot for saying this because I know people disagree with me, but I, I love the idea of over communicate, especially in this remote world, because if you don't communicate, nobody yeah. knows. Whereas you over communicate, at least you could know. And, and there's ways you can filter knowing whatever or just scanning stuff. So, but I love the idea of celebrating uh, something that you've taken away from the system. You've got rid of some technical debt because absolutely that stuff can, it's used some really harsh words. That, that stuff can kill companies if you're yeah. not careful. Oh, absolutely. And I think we were, we were at risk of kind of death by a thousand paper cuts because when we were in a kind of very hyper growth model, we hired lots of people, we would hire a new squad to build a new thing. You get the result of that, which is lots of duplication and everything goes with it. And that, that was the right thing at the time. But you know, the world's a different place four or five years on from that. And so we, we need to be reactive to where we are now. And it feels like we've got a much better balance on that now, which is, which is, uh, yeah, I feel is pretty good. It feels clean. Yeah. I imagine it feels clean. It yes. feels airy. Yes, <laughs> it, it does. Although I, I think I definitely, as I said, I, it's definitely the thing that keeps me up at night because I, I don't want it. I don't want to be too clean. I think equally a company that says we've got no tech debt probably is standing still and that's not healthy either. So it, it's a, it's <laughs> yes. a constant healthy tension. <laughs> yes, absolutely. That's great. I could talk about technical debt for hours. So uh, I, I need to I need to shut up for a second because uh, we could go right down this rabbit hole. We also had some discussions on growing pains of companies. We spoke about uh, what was the term that you used here? The lessons learned from the pendulum swings of a unicorn company. Yes, I, we are probably true of lots of companies, but I think spent most of my my kind of post university career at Skyscanner. I spent a lot of time researching and, and speaking to other companies to understand their pendulum swings, their, their kind of challenges. And the, the one that for me has been the most interesting, probably, I mean, probably before I started, but we, we basically didn't log a lot of data. We, we had, we had the basic metrics in place, but it was, it was, it was pretty basic. And we did this pendulum swing. We didn't log anything to, we said, okay, log everything, like every single bit of detail about everything. And Funnily enough, it costs a lot of money <laughs> to log everything, and it takes a lot of people to support logging everything. And th that's the pendulum swing going from nothing to everything. Now, where we where we want to be is somewhere more in the middle of the pendulum. <laughs> uh, we want to be in a world where we we log the right things in the right moments and and have that balancing act. But it, it's it's so easy to say, well, 
we've logged too much, so stop logging things or stop logging as much. And you could end up swinging all the way back the other way. And I feel that, you know, data is one of those examples. Um, but we, we have, I guess, on, on a fairly regular basis, we kind of go through these pendulum swings where we kind of, we go all in on something and then we go all out on it. And I think that is very common in scale up, like startup scale up and, and kind of hyper growth companies where, where you're constantly trying to find product market fit. So you might have features that you go all in on and then you go all out on. And I might regret saying this, but we've kind of gone in and out of rail several times in my, my journey here. Uh, and we're trying to go back to having rail again as part of our product features. But you know that's the pendulum swing. It's like, well, we definitely need it and we try it and it doesn't quite work. So, okay, well, we don't need it. And then two, three years later, okay, we need it again. And we go yeah. we go all in. And <laughs> the, the thing that I think um, and is very, one of the things I, I love most about, about Skyscanner is that we always learn from those pendulum swings and you may not swing as far the other way next time or you may with rail we, we've learned a lot of the lessons that caused it to be so problematic for us the first uh, first time around so you know it, it it does provide you a lot of insight the the thing that i thing i wish someone probably had told me is that it's really hard to actually almost like see them before they happen because and you almost kind of have to accept them to a degree that you're going to go through these like, oh, well, okay, we need to do this. And everyone piles in on it. Um, because if you don't, it's kind of the, the what's the phrase, um, you know, shoot for the stars and you'll hit the moon. It's like, well, you do need, that's not a pendulum, but you do need to try and do something quite far out in order to maybe get to where you want to yes. be. And and that's the, yeah, the pendulum analogy breaks down on that, but it, it it's, we want to be somewhere more in the middle and and we're just you know we keep finding our keep trying to find our balance in that um and i, I don't as i've spoken to lots of companies i don't know I don't know anyone who has managed to break through that and not have to play that game and and log everything and log nothing or build you know the other one i guess we've suffered suffered from uh is we went through a phase of building everything and it was like we built our own identity platform we built our own security systems and you know we're a travel company first and foremost a tech company and travel and so we don't we shouldn't be building our own systems but we, we built everything and then part of the journey last couple of years has been to go and buy lots of things off the shelf and, and really leverage you know we might put a team of five people onto an identity system but there are lots of companies out there with hundreds of employees that have been around the houses, learned all the mistakes. They've they've failed more than we will ever succeed at these things. And so probably better to go and leverage them. And that, that's, again, a pendulum swing. You know, at one point, it was we build everything. And now it's generally try and rent or reuse as much as possible. We still build a lot of our core, core IP, uh, core systems. Um, because because there's no one out there that's got the same level of skill that we do, but it's it's a balancing act on that for sure. 
it, this reminds me of um it's, it's going to get a bit philosophical now um but uh, the buddhist philosophy uh, the middle way you know i think i think if buddha was a, a software engineer you know he'd be going uh, avoiding these kind of people yeah. in swings as well <laughs> and uh, and finding that middle ground you know because that's where life really thrives it's not yeah. one or zero it's, it's somewhere in the middle yeah very much so, so there we go Maybe we can write a book on that, you know, the, the Buddhist uh, Buddhist programmer, you know, <laughs> Buddhist tech leader. <laughs> cool. So as we come now towards the closing arc of the podcast together, I just want to ask some nice warm questions for you. In, what advice would you give to aspiring tech leaders out there in the space that, you know, are, are hoping to kind of get to positions like you've kind of worked your way up yeah, to? Yeah, I think, I think for me, well, there's probably two things I would say. I, I've... I've always enjoyed learning and I say it in various different ways, but one of the reasons I, I'm still at Skyscanner is I, I constantly feel like I'm learning. And I also always joke that I've got like a two year timer in my diary. It's like, if I don't, if, if I couldn't say I've learned something quite significantly new in a, in a couple of years, I would, I would look for something else because I want to be learning. So that, that passion, thrive, desire to learn, I guess is the thing that, that really has, has really driven me, but I think has driven a lot of, of you know, my, my peer group and team that, that I you know, hugely respect. Similarly, although I think it is it's different to a point, is spending time doing lots of different things. Like I worked in our B2B team, I've worked in our marketing team, from an engineering point of view always, but I've been exposed to a lot of different areas of the system and it's given me a wealth of knowledge that i don't think i would have got had i stayed in the same path and same same track for that for that whole time now that is a bit of learning it's often a bit uncomfortable to really move and rotate and and be out of your comfort zone and people often talk about imposter syndrome there I, you get different types of imposter syndrome i think you get the imposter syndrome of i don't know what i'm doing in this area which is a learning thing but you also get the I'm in a totally different space that I've never been in before. So both of them are, are I guess, on a similar thing of like, push your, push your boundaries, you know, learn. Uh, one of our values is like learn, share and grow. And that, 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 that is hugely core to what I, I believe as well. But I think exposing yourself to those totally different areas of the business, um, be that from a tech point of view or not, it just, it gives you a different angle on how the company operates. Um, you know, I spent time working on a finance team for a while as well. And that, you know, that's hugely insightful. And I, I don't, I remember getting some advice from our old uh, chief operating officer uh, many years ago. And he was just kind of like, he was like, basically said, you know, you will never be CTO if you don't move out of the space you're in at the moment. And I never didn't have a plan to be CTO. So it sounded a bit weird at the time, but I, I, I reflect back on that and go, okay, he was right. <laughs> he was really right. You need yes. you need to have a bit of, of variety in, in in your life, and you can get that at different companies. It doesn't have definitely doesn't have to be the same company all the time. I I was yeah surprised. I've, I've always been surprised. I stayed here. I've stayed here as long as I have, and continue to enjoy being here. So <laughs> uh, yeah. Sounds like you found a, a really good culture yeah. and company, and it sounds like you've got a really good team around you, or part of a, a really good team. And any things that have helped you along your journey—books, for example, or particular films, or anything that's yeah. I, you? I think I touched briefly on the, the Checklist Manifesto. Uh, it's, it's a fan, fascinating book. Uh, 
never thought about it really as a management book in that way, but has definitely informed a lot of my like anti-process feelings that I, I can get on board with with some process. The the other one that always sticks in my head is the Gene Krantz, who is the mission director of Apollo 13 or 11. I can't remember now which one it was. We watched it as not the whole film, but we watched the the kind of there's a scene in it where they are you know, the, the astronauts are in space, their oxygen's running out, uh, they've got X number of pieces of, of equipment to try and basically build a oxygen scrubber to keep them alive. And I remember, I've, I've watched the film just for fun a few times, then we watched it at work many years ago, and thinking, that's stressful. Now, I, I think everyone feels stressed in different ways, but I, I, I can't imagine the level of stress that the team uh, at NASA would have felt at that time. And I, I often think about it in times where I'm feeling stressed, I'm feeling a lot of pressure, be that combination of work and uh, home life, and almost like try and use it to ground myself that like, yes, things are hard. This is not a life and death situation for me, thankfully. Uh, you know, I know a lot, of, a lot of tech leaders will be in situations where they do have that kind of situation. But it, it's a yeah, it's a funny one because the film's quite good, but it's also there's also an interesting lesson that's stuck in the back of my head yes. of just taking a minute to think. Okay, yes, the situation is is stressful. It's it's complex. It feels like there's no way out of it or no good way out of it. But you know, we can also come back to it tomorrow. And that's okay to do and that, that's you know uh, i think a hugely valuable lesson to just step back and come back to something later and you may have greater clarity of thought and everything that goes with it so yeah i can't remember which apollo mission that was but it's, it's a film i think, it was I think apollo it is, 13 yeah, but i yeah. might be wrong as well yes. Yeah, great film. I, I do recall it. Actually, you've inspired me to go and watch that again now. So, uh, and and you, you're right. There's sometimes in these kind of tough situations, we tend to kind of go at it and bang our head against it and keep doing that. And and, uh, and like my dad used to say, and my dad's going to be laughing if he's listening to this podcast. Is that oh, he did actually listen to me. Um, sometimes it's just best to walk away. You know, walk away and come back. You know, fresh mind, fresh perspective, and get out of the old track. Here we go, Andrew. I'm going to offer you a wish. I'm going to pretend to be the tech genie for a second. Yep. Okay. You can make a wish for leadership, for your industry, for anything to do with tech. What would you wish for? Interesting question. I spend, we spend as a company a lot of time trying to improve, particularly the number of women that are entering the tech space. Um, we sponsor things like Code First Girls and uh, Code Clan and stuff and, and, and really trying to do that. And, you know, we can put time, effort, money into that. But I think if we could fix that and just make the... The diversity balance correct like you know even out to, to what to what it actually is in the world um would be hugely powerful and you know we, I, I spent time at my old school recently kind of just trying to like talk to people to encourage people into it from from various backgrounds because you know a lot of the time it, you know historically it has been boys guys going into uh into tech and so that doesn't help the industry it doesn't help you know the products that we create and so you know we do a lot as a business to try and improve that and i feel quite strongly about it and so i think if, if there was one wish it would be to have that problem not be a problem anymore and just mean that when companies hire people they they had a good diverse workforce and that was representative of the population because ultimately a lot of what we're doing is 
you know, travelers are a very diverse bunch and, and we spend a lot of time on accessibility and, you know, fascinating the, the kind of challenges that the travel industry particularly faces in, in that space. And so, yeah, solving it, you know, our, our focus at the moment very much is on women in engineering, women in technology, but I think generally diversity in technology would be a huge thing to solve. So um, maybe a slightly cliched or overused one, but it, it's it's definitely something where we, we put our money where our mouth is at the moment on that, and, and it would be great to solve that. Brilliant. And it's really heartwarming, actually, to hear tech leaders talking like this. Because, um, Andrew, you know, I'm glad to say you're not the only tech leader that we've spoken to. Many in our uh, podcast series have spoken around diversity, the importance yeah. of it, uh, from a customer-centricity perspective as well. But here you go. It's a fun fact for you. Um, I'm just going to give a shout out to the company sponsoring this podcast, IT Labs. 80% of our leadership, I think it's about 70 to 80 now, we've actually uh, got some more males in. 70 80% of our leadership in the tech space are women. Awesome. So, uh, so it's changing out there. It's, it is happening. Yeah, so that's brilliant. Hopefully this won't be a topic anymore. Yes, indeed. Uh, so wish, wish is already uh, granted at IT Labs. That's good to, good to hear. <laughs> we're making it happen <laughs> <Yeah>. for you. <laughs> I, I, to be fair, I think, I mean, uh, we're we're already over 40% and growing, and that's been a huge thing. Uh, it's just, yeah, really impressive that, that people can make a difference and improve that. So That's great. And I'll probably get you to speak to my daughter, my 15-year-old, because I'm trying to get her into tech. And and uh, being the father, I, I can't get through, you know, so maybe somebody else can inspire <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Good. Good, good. So as we come to the full stop, the final full stop of the podcast, what's your key takeaway that you'd like to leave our tech leader audience out there listening to this? I, I think the, without wishing to probably repeat myself, I, I think the, or indeed um, kind of sell Skyscanner in that way, because that, that's, that's not why I say this, but the kind of culture of businesses and i think i think we've got a great culture but i think the culture of a company um matters way more than i ever thought it did and i'm as i said i've kind of maybe repeating myself a a little bit but things like that the balance of autonomy like i i I constantly feel like i don't want to i don't want to break our culture i don't want to break what we're doing i i want us to be able to go to do things more efficiently and more effectively and and deliver value faster but i want to do that in a way that doesn't break things and 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 as i say that because i feel very strongly about the culture that that we have and that i see in a lot of other companies as well where you know people people can go and work for lots of different businesses and get paid loads of money to do that and not necessarily feel as fulfilled and and as happy in their day-to-day and and so yeah i think just yeah, the advice would really be about thinking about the culture that you have as a business more than just the, well, more than just the kind of stuff on the surface. I mean, we, we've got our values plastered everywhere on the walls and on, on things, but but it's it's deeper than that. It's it's like how much autonomy do you give to people and how do you even, how do you even talk to people about that? Because a lot of people would say, oh, that's that's not that's not fair. You know, we, we, you know, we want to be autonomous. You know, well, yeah, but actually we're trying to make, life better for you We're trying to give you more autonomy just directed and and so yeah i think getting that balance right really thinking quite deeply about how you do that aligned to your your own company's culture and every every company has a has their own culture uh in in one way shape or form so yeah getting that right for the situation you're in and, and the, the growth stage you're in as well i think our culture's changed a lot over the 14 odd years i've been here and but it, it's still 
still steeps in a lot of the the origins. They're, they still feel like they're there, which is which is I think important as well, not to just forget about the past in that way. Um, mm. So yeah, a bit of a, a bit of a mixed yeah mixed bag there. So thank you for that, Andrew. That's really great. It's been great having you on TDO Confessions. Thank you for your time, sir. Thank you, DC. Great to be here. And finally, remember to subscribe to CTO Confessions podcast and IT Labs newsletter, where you get regular tech articles and invites to the IT Labs webinar series. URLs for this can be found at the bottom of this page. We are consistently creating material to create, nurture and support a community of tech leaders. And of course, if you want to know more about IT Labs services, including our Teams as a Service service, please don't hesitate to get in touch. As mentioned in the intro, please think of us like tech leaders' favourite off-the-shelf service, providing agility, high-performing teams off that shelf with a wide breadth of skill and knowledge. Well, that's all, folks. Look after each other and keep safe. Wishing you all a good day or evening, wherever you are in the world, from all of us here at IT Labs. Live long, live well and prosper. Until we meet again on the next CTO Confessions podcast.